You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to the Giant Splash podcast, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on Major League Baseball and the San Francisco Giants. I'm the Chronicles beat writer, Susan Slesser, and we are joined again by General Manager Scott Harris. Scott, thanks for joining us, especially uh, right after the trade deadline. Of course, that's what we'd love to, to talk to you about. Uh, happy trade deadline passing. I'm sure that that and the dr- draft both being over is a little bit of relief for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I'm uh, looking forward to catching up on some sleep after a long but uh, productive <laughs> month for us. I bet. Now, obviously, Chris Bryant was uh, one of the big gets for any team this trade deadline. You know him well um, coming from the Cubs organization yourself. How far do you go back with Chris and, and what was this process like for you? Because you do have a, an established good relationship with him. I uh, I go back uh, since the be- or I go back to the beginning of Chris's pro career. I uh, was in the draft room in 2013 when we drafted him in the first round um, after he had won College Player of the Year, and then he proceeded to win Minor League Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, MVP, and the World Series. And uh, I got a front row seat to all of it. So I've known Chris for a long time. I've uh, really admired him as a player on the field and as a teammate off the field for a long time. And uh, we're thrilled to, to make him a giant. And uh, it was really fun to watch him uh, go deep in his second ever at bat as a giant on Sunday. Uh, how would you describe his personality? Obviously, we, we, we know he's a good teammate. Uh, the reports of, uh, on him as a clubhouse guy are fantastic. And, and you mentioned that. But uh, what else would you say about him just as, as a guy? <laughs> I think Chris is additive to any clubhouse. Um, he brings great energy every day. Uh, he, he loves to play the game. Um, he really cares about his teammates. And I think one thing that Giants fans saw right away after we acquired him is how selfless he is. You know, the, the message he delivered to us as soon as we got him on the phone after we traded uh, for him was, I don't care where you hit me in the lineup. I don't care where you play me on the field. I just want to win, and I'm really excited to be a Giant. And I think that uh, speaks volumes uh, about uh, what what Chris Bryant is as a baseball player and a teammate. Uh, how much do you feel like maybe your relationships with uh, people in the Chicago front office helped to further this deal? Was that, was that uh, a factor at obviously? Our, Farhan obviously knows everybody in, in baseball well, too. But, but um, you know, you worked there for a long time and came up through that, that organization. Um, I'm, I'm not sure you, you know, get the inside track to a player if you have worked with, uh, you know, their GM or, or president before. Uh, but I think the, the tone and the openness of the negotiations change when you know that there is trust on both sides. And so when, when I was talking to Jed Hoyer about, you know, potentially acquiring Chris, uh, I think we were pretty blunt with each other. Uh, I think we knew that we could read each other pretty well. And 
And I think that openness helped us um, be more efficient in our talks and ultimately laid the groundwork for us to be able to acquire Chris. And, and what was your call with Chris like when the trade was first made, especially, you know, having, having such a good relationship with him? It was a, it was a pretty fun call. Um, I, uh, I called him when he was in Washington and uh, he uh, was jumping through the phone. So excited to be a giant. He, <laughs> he told me that uh, he had had some conversations with our all-stars in Colorado about uh, his fondness for, for this organization. And um, he thought, you know, somehow he was going to end up a giant. Uh, I w- it wasn't clear if it was at this trade deadline or, or in the future, but um, I had never had a call like that with a player that we acquired uh, before. I, I think my past relationship with Chris made it an even more fun and, and open call. Um, but uh, it, it's certainly one that, that I'm going to remember. And uh, it, w- it was even more fun to see him when he walked into the clubhouse on Sunday. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it looked to me like he got the call while he was in the dugout. Was that you when it, we've all kind of seen that footage of him on the phone in the dugout and then kind of going back into the clubhouse afterwards? I, I think so. You, you would have to ask him. Um, he uh, he told me he was tearing up on the phone uh, when I talked to him and it looked like he was tearing up in the in the video. So I, I don't know. Uh, but either way, it was really fun to be able to see that video. And uh, again, even more fun when we saw him in the black and orange on Sunday. Oh, wow. Uh, now, you mentioned uh, Clubhouse Fit and the selflessness. Uh, you guys also reacquired Tony Watson um, with the trade with the Angels. And, and that was mentioned a lot with uh, the, in the aftermath of that trade, too, making sure guys are right fits. How do you do that? I mean, obviously, these are guys that, that you know, you know, Bryant well, everyone here knows Tony Watson so well. Um, but just in general, as you are looking at the deadline, how do you kind of, you know, vet guys from that angle? Um, I think that's a great question. I, I know Farhan and I were outspoken about the value we place on culture and chemistry in the clubhouse. Um, observing the way these guys fed off of each other uh, every night for the first four months reminded us to, to be careful heading into the deadline. It, it reminded us to target players who will enhance our clubhouse dynamic, not disrupt it. Um, that's one of the reasons why we focused on players we know at the deadline. You know, Chris, who I know from my time in, in Chicago, and Wadi, who we both know well from last year, uh, stuck out as excellent fits for us on and off the field. It's always easier to vet um, makeup and um, clubhouse presence with guys you know. And so I think we felt um, more comfortable with those types of personalities. Uh, but that didn't deter us from digging on, on other players um, who we didn't know as well. So, um, you know, talking to past teammates, talking to, you know, past coaches and leveraging the, the vast networks that uh, Farhan and I have, but also that, that cap has to to make sure that we got a well-rounded view of the, the person um, on and off the field before we considered acquiring him. There was a lot of talk uh, before the deadline um, about you guys and, and the starting pitching market. How did you guys find that market um, as you were looking into potentially adding another starter, which obviously you guys chose not to do? It, that took up a lot of conversations in the room for us. Um, and I think I have a few thoughts on, on our rotation and the, the starting pitching market. First, we, we have a lot of confidence in our current rotation. O- over the last four months, we've seen 
our starters go out and give us a chance to win on a nightly basis. Um, additionally, Webby is throwing the ball about as well as anyone right now. And, and we're committed to giving him the runway uh, to continue to grow into a dependable starter for us. I, I think he has a sub two ERA in his last eight starts, which is impressive against anyone at this level, but it's even more impressive when you consider the, the opponents that he faced during that, that stretch. Um, and we spent many hours talking through our rotation and our belief in Webby. I think at the end of the day, if we wanted to add a starter, our only two options would be to go with a six man rotation or to move someone to the bullpen. Um, after talking about it, we didn't feel that either option was a costless solution here. And, and finally, you know, to, to answer your question more directly, um, I think a very important point here is if you look around the league right now, there aren't many teams that have five starters who give them a chance to win every night. If you uh, flip through the box scores on any given night, you'll see a collection of bullpen days, call-up spot starters, players who are optioned or designated after one start, and you know, swing men who, who are forced into starting roles. It's a very challenging time to build a stable rotation right now. And, and there isn't an endless supply of starters out there to go and grab uh, for a reasonable acquisition cost. I, I think the prices out there were, were very high for a starter. I think you saw uh, starters that moved, um, commanded some pretty stiff uh, prospect packages to acquire them. At the end of the day, I think we, we feel very comfortable with, with the way our rotation is performing right now. Um, I don't think we're naive to think that we'll only have five starters for the rest of the season. That, that probably won't happen. There will be unexpected issues that pop up. And, and I think we may try to manage workloads for our starters and keep them fresh by skipping a start here and there. But we feel really good about them right now. They're performing as a top four rotation in, in the game right now. And we felt like um, the best way to use our resources would be to go out and, and grab a guy like Wadi and grab a guy like Chris Bryant to, to bolster our team. Were you in pretty heavily on, on some of, um, you know, maybe some of the more prominent names? I don't think it's all that appropriate for me to comment on our level of engagement um, with any other players that, that we didn't get. Um, moreover, it's, it's hard to tell if you're in heavy yeah. with, with a player because you don't really know if you get them until the very end. Um, so kind of diff difficult to speculate on that one. Yeah, but certainly you were you were talking about some of the the, the top guys on the market. I'm, I'm assuming, and to some extent. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's safe to assume we we talk about everybody in the room. Uh, we're certainly in the room long <laughs> enough. So <laughs> very cagey. Okay. Um, so talking about the starting pitching and and the depth. Um, you know, you 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 touched on that, but. Obviously, we've seen here lately a little bit of some wobbles from Gosman, um, a little bit of a wobble from Di Sclafani. How much of a concern is that when, um, you know, you, you, you don't have a great wealth of options potentially um, with the starting tip pitching depth? I mean, you have Sanchez now as a long man in the bullpen, uh, Tyler Beatty, potentially Sammy Long's getting stretched back out. And I'm assuming that Scott Kazmir will come back uh, after the Olympics are concluded. Um, but uh, how do you see those th those guys as possible um, fill-ins? And what, what do you make of uh, what Gosman and Disclafani have kind of um, been running into post-break? Um, you know, listen, I, I understand the question about Gosman and Disclafani. I 
I look at it as a commentary on their work product to date. I think those two guys have set expectations so high for us with the way certainly that Gosman performed last year and then this year. And then, um, you know, how quickly uh, Di Scalfani established himself as, as one of our top starters this year. Um, I think, you know, the, the sort of wobbly starts as, as uh, you described them the, the past couple of times, um, I don't think those are a concern for us. We have a ton of faith in both of, of, of those guys as individuals and a ton of faith in our pitching infrastructure um, to help them um, make adjustments. I think you saw Kevin Gosman make some adjustments after the first inning in his last start that, that um, allowed him to, to command his stuff a little bit better. Um, for us, it's not a concern right now. Um, with respect to the uh, you know, sort of depth starting options that, that you mentioned, um, we're excited to see those guys. We think there may be opportunities for them to start in the big leagues um, in the near future. And, and we have a lot of confidence that they'll be able to come up and, and pitch well for us, um, just like you've seen some of them do so far earlier in the year. Fantastic. Uh, the rest of the division made some noise, particularly the Dodgers, um, obviously. How, how do you see the division now um, after the trade deadline? Um, I think we're... We're pretty excited about where we stand right now. Um, again, you know, I, I, I've sort of been expressing my confidence in this team throughout this, this interview because that's how we look at them. We, we feel like we can play with anyone right now. I think we demonstrated that through the first four months. And uh, we, we have a nice little lead on, on the Padres and Dodgers right now. Um, but that's, that doesn't mean that we can get complacent and, um, and stop doing some of the things that, that got us here. We'll be back with more with Giants GM Scott Harris in just a moment. But first, a reminder for all of the Chronicles baseball coverage, go to www.sfchronicle.com. And to subscribe, go to sfchronicle.com slash pod. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Now, I I was kind of making it sound like you get to just like rest and relax here, but that's actually not the case. Um, You you guys are getting a bunch of guys off the injured list, which is fantastic. I mean, in some ways, um, probably just as good as as some major trades with the names involved with, you know, Listella and Longoria and Belt. But you are going to have some really difficult roster moves to make. Um, How are you guys approaching, you know, all these moves that you're going to have to make both on the 25 man and on the 40 or 26, sorry, 26 man roster and the 40 man. I I think it it is a sign of health for this organization. Um, You know, those, those decisions are very difficult and uh, we spend a lot of time and energy thinking through them and thinking about what's going to put our, our 26 man in the best possible position to perform but at the end of the day, um, it is, uh, it's a blessing to have those, those challenges. It's, it's, uh, those are the types of decisions that you, you want to have. Um, so w- one, one thing I'm looking forward to in the second half, is, as you mentioned, is getting Listella Belt and, and Longoria back. I think, you know, we already have a, a deep lineup, but they're going to lengthen our lineup even more. I was even talking about, talking to Brandon Belt about some of the, 
the lineups that Cap was drawing up with with everyone when we're at full strength. And so I'm personally really excited about watching us play at, at full strength. Um, the, the other thing about, you know, who who's a sort of odd man out here, um, I think one thing to remember is that, you know, if, if you know, reinstatement off the injured list, uh, push someone back to sack, um, there's a good chance that we're going to see him again. You know, there's a good chance that, you know, injury or underperformance or some other new unexpected dynamic forces them back into action uh, in the big leagues. And we've, we've certainly had some, some guys like Jason Bossler riding the, uh, the shuttle quite a bit so far in the first half, but we have a great thing going in this organization in which, you know, the 26 man who men who are up feel like they are well positioned to win every night, but also the uh, rostered players in Sacramento feel like they're, they're just a, a phone call away from, from coming up and, and um, contributing in a big spot. Uh, well, my next question, maybe you're foreshadowing a little bit because I was going to ask about, um, you know, there, there's always sort of this choice you you and any other team has between do you try to maintain maximum roster flexibility and and uh, when you make roster decisions, uh, you know, try to use guys that have options rather than, you know, designating somebody for assignment. What's the line sometimes between um, you know, retaining that mo- maximum roster flexibility and p- potentially choosing a guy who has maybe performed better, uh, but does have options. It's, it's a factor. Uh, I think it's, uh, very situation, situationally specific. Um, you know, we've, we've opted, opted for both paths so far in a handful of decisions. Sometimes we will preserve, uh, um, a guy with, without options who can contribute in other ways. Um, and, and, you know, an, an optional player has to go down. Um, but also, you know, as we did recently, when, when we designated, um, Mike Talkman, um, have gone, have gone the other way. So I think for us, the priority is winning here. The priority is building the best 26 man roster to match up uh, against, um, you know, an opposing starter every night. Um, and, and sometimes that does come into play as well. Um, sometimes our upcoming schedule and the opponents and starters that we're facing will influence those decisions. Um, if we have a string of left-handed starters coming up or we have a string of right-handed starters coming up, sometimes that will um, affect the position playing core that we choose to keep at any given uh, decision point. Uh, yeah, speaking of, of Talkman and getting him through waivers, is there some sort of science to that, you know, at like when to risk maybe a guy running a guy through waivers or not? Does it, or is it always just a best guess? We talk about the science of it. Uh, I think we overestimate our only, our, our ability to, uh, read the, the signs out there. Um, and I think we, we think we have more control than we actually do when it comes to getting a guy through waivers. Um, but specifically in talks case, we're, we're excited that he got through waivers and that he's going to stay a giant and we're looking forward to him getting more bats and sack than he did in San Francisco and getting back on track for us. Yeah. I mean, he obviously contributed pretty significantly while he was in San Francisco, particularly defensively, but, you know, also a big grand slam and, uh, seemed to have some good clutch at bats. I, I know that he was working on things offensively. How, how much, uh, more will he be able to do that in that setting rather than trying to implement, you know, maybe some new things at the big league level? Yeah, I think there are a finite number of at-bats that are available in the big leagues. And um, I think we ran into a situation with Mike in which um, a lot of those at-bats were going to, to other players who were performing very well. Um, so, you know, for, fortunately, he'll be able to, to get a lot more at-bats in, in sack. And I think that'll help him, uh, you know, lock his swing back in 
to help us. The other important consideration here is now that we're past the, the trade deadline, we have very few levers to pull to acquire um, players as talented as Mike Talkman. So it's a really big deal when a player like that gets through waivers um, or, you know, any, any other player that, you know, may get through waivers in, in the future for us. Um, so we don't take that lightly. And, and uh, his, um, our ability to, to send him to Sacramento as an option for us moving forward is really important from a depth and upside standpoint. Fantastic. Um, now there's about two months left in the regular season. What, what do you see as, as the keys for your team? Obviously you've built a little bit of a, of a lead here in the National League West, um, very tough National League West and have had baseball's best record for quite a while here. How do you, how does this team maintain that? I hate to give the cliche answer, but our, our number one priority right now is health. I think if we if we stay healthy, we're going to be a pretty pretty darn good team down the stretch. Um, and uh, I, I, lo I love the personalities that we have in the clubhouse. I, I love um, the sort of the even distribution of talent uh, up and down our, our roster, and uh, I love how dynamic our our lineup is. Um, you know, even when we face a uh, a starter who has a one two three first inning feels like you just blink and he's he's already at 63 pitches in the third inning um those we feel are are stable skills that will continue as long as we stay healthy so i think for us we're, we're focusing most on on staying healthy um managing the load on a lot of our our players especially our veteran players down the strap the stretch to keep them productive and uh just continuing to do some of the things that that got us here in the first place now there's more um Tough, tough calls to make in the off season. Uh, I, it's jumping way ahead. And I think we talked about this <laughs> last time you were on, on the podcast too. Um, but now we're adding Chris Bryant into the mix there on, on, uh, you know, at, at keeping potentially a group together. That's, that's pretty special and trying to keep that group intact. How do you wind up prioritizing things like that when you do have, um, so many really major contributors who are free agents or, or maybe, uh, you know, have a team option or something like that? We, we don't is the honest answer. We haven't really spent much time on it. There, there's so much stuff on our plate right now, you know, coming off the draft and, and the trade deadline and now uh, uh, positioning ourselves to continue to play well down the stretch that we, we really haven't spent that much time on it. Oftentimes those types of contractual situations tend to work themselves out shortly after the season ends. So I think, I think we're going to try to keep everyone involved, focused on um, playing deep into October right now. And then we'll let, uh, we'll let some of that other stuff take care of itself later. And, and when do you guys start planning for, you know, things, fun things like, you know, figuring out playoff rotations and scouting potential opponents, are those things already in the works or is those things you kind of gearing up for now? Those are the type of, things you try not to talk very much about because you don't want to, you know, jinx things. Um, but no, we will, we'll start, um, uh, considering, you know, uh, advanced scouting assignments for, for different, you know, possible opponents moving forward and, and, and talk about more of the nuances of preparing a team for October. Um, once, once we get a little bit closer to October and, and feel like we can, we can smell it a little, a little more than we can right now. Oh, that's the fun stuff. Well, we will be sure to to grill you about some of that stuff, uh, hopefully in uh, late September or early, even better, early October. Thanks so much, Scott Harris, for joining us here on Giant Splash. Thanks, Susan. 
Our thanks again to Giants General Manager Scott Harris for joining us on the Giant Splash podcast. Our producer today was G. Allen Johnson. And our music, Batter Up, was written and performed by Lauren Gold and Ray Eastless. We will be back again next week with more Giant Splash. Thanks for listening. <laughs>